This is David Marler, UFO researcher, and you're listening to That UFO Podcast. Hi everyone and welcome back to That UFO Podcast. My name is Andy and today on the pod we have an international European flavour to the podcast. I am joined by journalist, film producer, researcher, author and host of his own show on Danish National Radio, co-hosted with astrophysicist Anja Seti Andersen, titled Flying Saucer, and I'm going to let him in a moment pronounce that properly, um, Frederick Dirks Gottlieb. Frederick, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Andy. It's awesome to finally speak to you in person on the pod. It's something I think almost happened a couple of years back when you first got got started out. But here you are, a huge success in your own right. And congratulations on that. And first off, you have to pronounce the podcast in Danish with its actual name, because as we've said, I'm going to absolutely kill it. So what's the name of the podcast? <laughs> it, you know, it's 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 Danish. It's Flying Saucer in Danish. So it's Flune Telagen, which is only Danish people would ever be able to say, I guess. And people right now know why I did not try and pronounce that. So, yeah, um, but we'll go with Flying Saucer. But Frederick, uh, like I say, congrats on the success. We're going to get to that. Welcome to the podcast. Um, I want to start off talking about you, your interest in the subject, and we'll build on from there. Um, your interest in the topic, I believe, came from your father, um, who yeah. was a member of the Danish UFO Society back in the 50s and 60s. Is that right? That's uh, that's correct. Uh, he, um, Yeah, my dad, Eppe was his name it's a weird name in danish uh, was you know already when he was 17 18 years old he got really fascinated by the by the ufo topic and he actually uh, made his own like ufo group it was called gentofte ufo group which was the uh, the, sh- the sh- what you the, you called it was gufok which is a really bad name for a ufo club but um he so he did that club back in I think '59, and uh, that's when a lot of all of the young aspiring UFO nerds from Denmark really started gathering and meeting in houses and clubhouses stuff like that. And when when he got me, he didn't tell me about this for basically 20 years until one day he he threw a book about Roswell on my bed and was like, "Yeah, you can try and read this," and I just figured it was sort of science fiction stuff. And then I read it, I got really surprised. Um, but, and then a few years later, he actually, he passed away, which was of course really sad, but I found all of his old UFO books and photos and membership magazines and stuff like that. And I read it all and I got totally fascinated. And I think that's when it dawned me how much of a, UFO, UFO guy, he really was. Uh, it was way beyond uh, close encounters of the third kind and stuff that I used to watch uh, with my dad. So, yeah. Had he had any sightings or experiences of his own that you knew about or he'd written down? He never, as far as I know, he never had uh, an experience himself, which is pretty uncanny because he was what I would call a, you know, hardcore believer all of his life. And I remember every night when I went to bed, if I woke up, he would always sit and, you know, just watch the skies. And he always told me that he he was looking for flying saucers. And I sort of thought that he was, you know, making a joke or uh, being witty about it. But I later found out that he was actually scouting for uh, for flying saucers. What was 
I mean, you're you're around my age, so you're late thirties, forty years old. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I'm for, uh, just turned forty. Yeah. <laughs> you look so much younger than me. For anyone listening on the audio, Frederick looks far younger than I do. It's the Danish culture compared to Scottish culture. I think, or, or just um, this grainy camera, maybe. So. Or yeah, maybe it's a filter. <laughs> who knows? Um, but you've got the Russell Brand thing going on. I think uh, I've got the Ricky Gervais look going on. Um, <laughs> but I was wondering, like Danish culture. What was that like in the 50s and 60s where we know in the US and predominantly the the audience for this podcast is mostly United States uh, and Canada and the UK with a smattering of other our countries thrown in. So hello to everyone, whatever you are. What was Danish society like in the 50s and 60s and where would the UFO conversation have been around then? I think actually Denmark was a little bit ahead of its time back then. Um, people who were enthusiastic about UFOs really followed the American um, way of talking about UFOs. And I know, you know, Adamski, uh, who was one of the most famous researchers back then, he he visited Denmark quite often. And he was he actually met with my father at one point. Uh, that's what I've been told, at least, but by my father's best friend, Eric. Uh, who was also in that UFO club. And so he used to come here. He had a good friend called H.C. Uh, Peterson, who was founded the the big Danish UFO club club called SUFOI, which is uh, short for Scandinavian UFO Investigation, a club that is still around. Today it's the oldest club in Denmark uh, or group or society or whatever you want to call it. Uh, mm-hmm. Today it's mainly a... a, 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 a group of debunkers but back then they really believed in ufos uh, and as well as did my dad and hc was actually uh, a former uh, pilot uh, fighter pilot um so so he had a lot of respect here in denmark and really for you know the the, the most of his life he, he died i think 10 20 years ago but most of his life he really spread the word about ufos here in denmark and uh, that meant that you know a lot of uh, ufologists and and you know people with a lot of knowledge of UFOs used to come here and and do lectures and stuff like that. So they were they were on board here in Denmark, and we had a lot of clubs, even though we we're a pretty small country of five and a half million. Um, mm-hmm. So mainly in mainly in, uh, in in Copenhagen, these clubs would would uh, would be there was quite a lot of them actually back then. And where is that perception now? So fast forward, you know, yeah. 2017 was a huge time for, for a lot of folks in the UFO subject. And I can I can hear older listeners rolling their eyes or those who have been involved in the topic a lot longer. Mm-hmm. Ufology didn't start in 2017, but it certainly got a lot more folks back on board or reignited the fire, I think, in a lot of people's bellies for the subject. How is it covered in the in the press, if indeed at all. Um, what's public perception like now? And can you talk about that for me? Sure. Um, so the reason why I started this podcast in 2020 was because just like you, Andy, I, I, I've been following it since, yeah, 2017. I don't know how long, have you been following it longer than that? I had an interest as a child and yeah. even growing up, I would watch documentaries you know check out the odd book magazines now and again so i always had an, a hand in it um sure and then i'd started the twitter account long before i started the podcast or even wanted or had the idea for the podcast but yeah i think really getting intensely interested was to the stars again back in back in 2017 2018 sure exactly the same here you know had some interest um didn't really 
think too hard about whether this was a real thing or not. Uh, and then 17 came around and, and I, I really started uh, getting my interest peaked. And then in the summer of 2020, uh, when you had one of the, the big New York Times articles really confirming that the three Navy videos were legit and did indeed come from the Navy, that's when I thought it's weird that no one in Denmark is writing about this. Because at that time, there was zero interest. There was no mainstream media doing anything. Um barely even uh, anything on Twitter at that point. So I thought, okay, let's try this. And I called my editor. I mean, this is DR. It's uh, the Danish Broadcasting Corporation. It's the equivalent of, of you know, a BBC. It's a public service, but it's huge in Denmark. It's it's by far the, you know, the biggest brand within media. So I thought there's no way in hell my my editor is gonna, uh, gonna think this is a good idea. But she was like, yeah, cool. That sounds awesome. I've, I've read about it. You, you you go ahead and I basically started the show. It's one of the easiest show to ever get through, which is weird and par- paradoxical. Um, and I got Anja Sedi Andersen, uh, the astrophysicist, who's you know a famous personality here in Denmark and you know internationally acclaimed as a as an astrophysicist. Stardust is her her main topic. And she was, she, she started telling me about the Umumua and Avilope and stuff like that when I called her. So she, she kind of knew about this topic and had some interesting ideas, but she was also new to it. And I thought that was very important that she came into this, um, not only skeptical, but, you know, not too biased about whether or not there are UFOs. So then it, it really started popping off here in Denmark because... All of a sudden, you have this UFO podcast on the main broadcaster. And um, so ever since then, I've just been doing media nonstop, basically. Um, television, radio. And yeah, it's it actually been a pretty rough couple of years. It's been fun. It's been exciting. But, um, you know, the lack of UFO experts here it was really eminent. So, of course, we still have the the old Sufoy guys and uh, and they're still doing a, a great job, but they're more on the debunker side and I was more on the uh, straight down the middle just trying to to really explain to the people what was going on because it was such a crazy time. And you've done a good job doing that. I don't speak Danish, but if you put your name into YouTube or you put Frederick's name into YouTube, folks, you'll see a lot of videos, clips, TV shows, podcasts that you've been on, and you seem to be representing the subject well. So well done on that. You've certainly filled a void. I wonder if in the last couple of years you asked folks in Denmark, you know, what have you heard about the US hearings that have gone on? Um, David Grush, UFO whistleblowers come forward and talked about, you know, biologics, recovered craft. Are those topics well known in Denmark? Is that something your average person on the street knows about? Or or where do those sit? I think within some demographies, you would definitely have people um, being in the know. Um, but I, I guess it's not unlike your country, whereas there are still people who just lives in a whole nother universe, no pun intended, um, where, you know, politics and the most basic news is everything they know about. Mm-hmm. But I would say that in, in my own demographic and, you know, especially I think maybe younger guys, um, younger, I mean, 20 to 50, there's a, a keen interest and 
you know, the numbers we've been doing here on the podcast really speaks for themselves because, you know, it's hundreds, hundreds of thousands of downloads per episode. Uh, and, and, you know, within the, often within the top 10 uh, of the most downloaded, you know, neck and neck with news podcasts and stuff like that. But that mm-hmm. still doesn't necessarily say a lot because that's a lot of people, but, you know, compared to people who know about what's, you know, going on politically, it's it's still, you know, a small number of people, but it's coming along and it's it's really been coming along fast. When I was looking to do some research for, for this, because believe it or not, folks, sometimes I do. Um, and I've had guests on in the past from China talking about USO, UFOs, South America, primarily Brazil, um, obviously yourself from Denmark. And you look around and there's always been quite a large amount of cases and I struggled to find a lot of well-known Danish cases. Mm. Um, and the same two, and I've got them up here, kept coming up. And you can correct me if there would be any more. Yeah. But one, you're going to have to help me out with pronunciation here. It's from 1970, and it's from a small town of Gundosolil. Mm, let me just... G-U-N-D. And it was uh, a famous incident on June 12th, 1970. Witnesses reported seeing a large metallic object with flashing lights hovering over the sea. Some witnesses claimed to have seen smaller objects coming off the main craft. It garnered uh, some media attention, sparked public interest in UFOs across Denmark. That was one. And then there's one from Copenhagen Airport in 2011. And that, again, was several UFO reports, uh, sightings near UFO, um, sorry, sightings near Copenhagen Airport. Witnesses described seeing bright lights moving erratically in the sky, performing maneuvers that seemed beyond the capabilities of conventional craft. The sightings caused a temporary stir in the media and prompted speculation about the nature of the objects. Um, It seems like sightings are pretty low in Denmark, um, which I thought, given where you're based, kind of further north beautiful clear skies up that way i've been in a boat i was talking to you before we recorded up that way when i was much younger um and i was surprised at how little there was to go off of and even that 2011 sighting got me quite ah that's that's relatively recent and i couldn't find anything on it no but again that's algorithms google all that kind of stuff so Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry to say it, but those two cases are not really well known here in Denmark either. Um, it, and it, that's one thing I've noticed. And then when people from other countries, they have some cases that's not really known uh, here in Denmark, but we do have cases here. It's just, and you know, that's a great point with you know the clear sky and all of, all that stuff. And and also we we are we're very close connected to Greenland as well, so there should mm. be a lot of stuff, and we do have a lot of stuff, but it's been either debunked or, you know, hidden away or not been reported on by media. So, and that's when I I really realized that when I started doing the show, because I have I have my own document with hundreds of, of cases uh, and people have videos and a lot of exciting stuff. And I have a lot of people on my podcast to explain their stories. So these stories have been there all along, but no one have picked them up really. Um, and the media haven't really been at all keen to hear these stories from people. So I think that has been, I, I think we will see now more and more uh, of these stories come out. And um, But so far for me, it's been through my podcast, but that makes it a little bit difficult for someone like you to try and, you know, research the stories. Um, but I would say the most famous case we have is probably... 
uh, a case that I actually wrote a little bit about from the 70s, where this guy, Ival Morup, uh, in a little uh, small town called Hellersleu, and he was a police officer, he had this experience where his car suddenly stopped, you know, classic uh, car stopping. And all of the the electronics kind of just went out. And then he reported on this UFO hovering above him and he had a camera on his car and he got a photo of it. But of course, when you film something that is shining a light on you, all you get is yeah. you know, a dot. So we know something was there and, you know, he actually became sort of a celebrity here in Denmark for, for years after that. Um, and, and, you know, told his story to the day that he died. So because he was a police officer, that story definitely was something that, that people knew about here in Denmark, but that's probably the only famous case that I know of, but we have some cases, of course, in the podcast, and that's been, been, been in the news uh, lately that, are you know, people in the coming generations will know about for sure, because there are definitely some, some interesting cases out there. Could you either let me know, share with the listeners and viewers some of those cases or even some of the patterns or some of the commonalities that come up within those and what are people talking about to you? Yeah, so um, one thing, we you know, we have a lot of different patterns as I'm sure you, you get, um, you probably get messages about that all the time as well. Of course, the shapes uh, vary. It's I had a lot of triangles uh, being reported on, and a lot of those people saw them in, you know, in the two thousand two thousands, um, and and then here lately, what I've been and also seeing videos is is the orbs and the tic tac shaped UFOs. Uh, recently, I had two pilots on my show um, who are currently active um, commercial airline pilots, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they actually flew from at some point uh, to, um, uh, to to Rome around Rome and uh, where you know the pilot and his co-pilot looked out the window and a tic tac shaped object was hanging right next to them and these pilots they were in the studio out at you know the broadcaster and they really didn't want it to be there and we had to keep them anonymous. Um, and they explained their stories, and he was he was actually calling it the Stimmeral UFO and mixing up the Tic Tac, uh, which mm-hmm. kind of goes to show that he knew nothing about you know terms of ufology or anything like that. And he was quite nervous to actually share this story. And the object that was hanging there, they saw it clearly, and then it just jetted off. And I've had a lot of pilots reaching out talk, talking about similar stories to that, uh, probably a dozen. If, if and also um, one uh, fighter pilot who had two experiences in the in the actually here above in the Danish skies, so definitely a lot of people have had weird experiences here just like anywhere else. But I think it comes down to the reporting systems, comes down to the media, the media not really being interested uh, in those stories for many years. Here in the UK, if there is a UFO story, it still tends to be followed with the X-Files music, uh, Flying yeah. Saucer graphic, Little Green Men, and the, the news hosts tend to be quite giggly or 
dismissive of the topic. Now and again, you'll get one or two who might be more interested or grounded on it, but there's still that kind of giggle factor, that laugh that goes along with it. Is that similar to, imagine those pilots you spoke to, they weren't speaking to you, they weren't speaking to, to Anya, and they were on a your typical Danish you know, talk show, TV show, news show. Would it still have that same dismissive laugh factor to an X-Files sort of theme? It definitely had in the beginning. I still encounter X-Files music everywhere I go. It's becoming the soundtrack of my life. I'm sure you know yeah. the feeling. <laughs> which yeah, I've is had horrible. it a few times, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 you know, you have this 50-plus uh, radio host who think it's such a funny gag to put on this music. And, yeah. Um, but I would say it was that in the begin. It was like that in the beginning. And I don't want to toot my own horn here, but... I've had a lot of notable personalities on my show here. We had the Danish astronaut, Andreas Monsen. We had, uh, you know, one of my co-hosts um, um, is Søren Sørensen, who used to be a fighter pilot who flew for more than 20 years. When I contacted him, that was actually just to show him the, the Navy videos, which he still uh, deems to be very weird and definitely unresolved. And he also looked at, we also had a discussion between him, him and Mick West, He's definitely not buying the the Mick West theories about uh, especially the gimbal uh, video. Um, and I also had the, he is the head of warfare operations um, here uh, at the Def- Defense Academy in Denmark, Carsten Maup, uh, who's also a, a commander. And, you know, I was with both Søren and Carsten in uh, the, mo- the big morning show here in Denmark. And Carsten showed up in uniform because he wanted to show Denmark that uh, he's actually taking this subject very serious and Carsten also said in my show that he believes that those videos definitely shows that there is something out there whether it's man-made or not but something that is really hard to explain so those two people Søren and Carsten very very respected within their field uh, one still in the in the military in Denmark and one at the defense academy they have been great ambassadors and really you know taken out the giggle factor a lot because when you interview someone like that you you tend to not giggle as much as when i'm sitting there i'm right in saying some of the the bigger names you've i say bigger uh, more well-known names you've spoken to from the u.s avi loeb has mm-hmm. been on the podcast yep uh, uh leslie kane um i've got avi loeb here twice you spoke to lou elizondo didn't you a couple of years yeah, back yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and what have those conversations been like for you and i wonder do you hear from Danish listeners who hear those voices who maybe weren't overly familiar with them or new to the topic in Denmark? And what have they been saying? Yeah, it's it's been really a wild journey. And I've I've definitely felt really alone, even though we had a lot of listeners really alone uh, in this in this topic in Denmark, where it's it seemed like it was new to mo- to most people, except for the people, of course, who had experience and stuff like that. But for most people they were following my podcast, not necessarily following people on Twitter and stuff like that. They do that now, of course. And I'm sure a lot of listener, uh, listeners also listen to your fantastic podcast, which was a big inspiration for me personally. Um, but it, it was definitely a lonely journey for years. And I, I actually developed a, you know, a chronic headache and stuff like that because um i was you know i'm i'm a journalist i work as a journalist and i i, I used to do <laughs> more serious stuff i find this serious as well don't get me wrong but uh, i was really worried how people would um take to my 
new hobby of UFOs and diving into that. A lot of people said, don't do it before I, I, I did it. Um, and I think, you know, of course, Anja Sedi Anderson, my, my co-host, means a lot because she kind of approved of the podcast, which was very important in the scientific circles here, which means that now we have had most of the notable scientists in Denmark it, on our show and really been diving into all of these uh, different theories of UFOs and stuff like that, which has been amazing. But it was a lonely journey. I I had a period where I definitely was anxious, had a lot of headaches, didn't know if I was being um, fooled by some of these people or if these people were uh, who they said they were. I mean, I I tend to believe people and I definitely believe 95 of the people that I've spoken to and um and talking to Luis Elizondo was was a great experience and really I think opened a lot of our listeners eyes to to what was going on here and I know that he's become a little bit more controversial the last couple of years but he's never been nothing but nice to me and and I have no reason to to doubt him really I, th- I think when you say controversial Lou's been what quiet for for eighteen months or so, but he pops up now and again on Twitter. People have taken. He spent so long doing the podcast circuit, and he said so much that he then said, "You know, I've I've said everything I've got to say right now." He's gone away to write the book, which people are waiting on coming out, and everyone keeps going back and picking over the same conversations, the same comments, and I think that happens across the board, doesn't it? When people are have got these, and it's you've got one way where. Lou Elizondo done it. He'd done his podcast run. He said, look, I've said everything I've got to say for now and disappeared for a while from the circuit. And then you've got others who who stay around and they go back and go back. And again, people will complain they say the same things, but what more can they say without starting to potentially make stuff up? So it's, okay. it's a difficult one for these folks. And I totally appreciate that. Uh, definitely. Lou Elizondo's book seems to be one of the hot topics everyone's waiting yeah. on coming out, if indeed it does come out this year. Um, I know there was some talk online recently it might have been coming out in November, and that wasn't true. That was just a holding page for a publishing company. Um, but on yeah. that, you've you've used your own experiences in these last couple of years and your own history in the topic to write two books. One of them was a children's book titled uh, in English, Look Up, UFOs Exist, and then your own more recent um, adult book, uh, The UFO Mystery. Do you want to just touch on those? And for the first off, uh, Look Up, UFOs Exist, what made you write a children's book on the UFO topic? Yeah, well, I, I thought this is a fascinating topic for kids, really, because every time I talk to to anyone, just like you mentioned earlier, um, where did your interest start? It's always, oh, I used to love UFOs as a kid. And now there's this whole new uh, way of, of how we look at UFOs. And the fact that we, I feel, is a fact that we know that there is something out there, whatever it is. I'm not you know, drawing any conclusions, trying not to do that. But I, I felt that this was a topic that a lot of kids really duck. And I know that uh, a lot of my listeners listen to the show with their, you know, 10, 12-year-old uh, um, kids. So that's really where I, I got the idea. And also the fact that I, as a kid, got this interest from my father. So it's it's really a book that's both about grief. It takes place after my my father died. And in this case, in this book, I'm younger than I was in real life, but uh, I'm sort of cleaning up after my dad, just as I did in real life. So it's both 
working with grief and then also finding this fantastic interest and this hobby through my father and, you know, getting to know him over again, really, um, which is the feeling I have now because my father wasn't necessarily the type to open up. He did have a drinking problem uh, after he got divorced from my mother and he did die too young as well. So it was kind of a little bit of a tragic story. Um, even though he he had a he had a great life up on, uh, up until the the divorce, but I felt that I through working this hobby that he loved so much, I got to uh, got to know him much better. And even though I haven't talked to him in eleven years, now I really feel like I I knew who my dad was also as a young man. And I've been talking to a lot of his old um, colleagues and old friends who was just dying to tell me about, you know, how much he, he his passion for UFOs. So it's also been to help myself, really, because I never really got to deal with the grief of losing my, my father. And I think that's why subconsciously I I did delve into this UFO topic because it was both, you know, a hunt for the unknown, but also a little bit of a hunt for my for my father. Yeah, it seems like it's been very therapeutic to, to put that down on paper and kind of get those thoughts out. And I wonder where do you see now, you know, looking at your, your dad's past and how that's influenced you in the UFO topic and maybe the mistakes of the past in terms of UFOs, where do you see that taking your journey in the UFO topic? Is it a case of keep producing shows, content, researching? Do you see your your role in the UFO circuit becoming larger? I say circuit, that's the wrong word, but you know, especially mm. in Denmark where there's such a small pond of like you say ufo researchers shows podcasts books you know journalists really involved in the topic how yeah. can you take that forward yeah it's a really good question i've been so busy that i haven't really because i, I would like to have a bigger presence on youtube and stuff like that and do some do some stuff in english i mean i know i gotta practice a little bit but <laughs> um listen your, your english accent's better than mine so yeah you're, you're doing okay <laughs> i don't know about that i actually i really dig your accent it's, it's so cool um but uh but yeah it, i would like to like to do that and and the podcast we actually did a pilot in english which is being pushed to to international broadcasters like Spotify and Audible and hopefully they they want to take it because uh, I would love to do the show in in English and to try to, to broaden the horizon a little bit and um I think you know there is no reason why this topic should be only Danish for me but at the same time doing a show at a public uh, service broadcaster like DR that the kind of what what can you say it kind of constrains you a little bit because mm-hmm. you you have to be really scientific about how you go about it you have to be really smart about it you have to be sure not to uh, how can i say embarrass yourself um and i'm not saying that people on youtube do that but they they can be a little bit strict of what they like you to do um beside your 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 role within dr um just as i'm sure that if you're a journalist on you know bbc or something similar yeah. that they will kind of follow you around a little bit and make sure that you represent them well and and dr is definitely the same way so that's also why i've been a little bit hesitant i think about you know blowing up a big youtube channel and and also you know it's it's been it's been a handful i do actually three other shows other than flying saucer on the side and i've been doing books so i really haven't had the time but yeah it's it's probably coming at some point 
No, no, that, that's fair. And I, I appreciate having to work within guidelines and parameters based on, you know, you're representing a broadcaster. It's not just you and your co-host, you're, you're representing something in an organization. I've got the luxury of being, you know, self-regulated. You know, I can try and work within my own, you know, moralistic parameters, whatever that might be. But yeah, it's got its pros and cons, doesn't it? Um, you mentioned before, and I want to spend the last part of the podcast talking about your thoughts, your opinion. You said you don't want to come to conclusions, but I'm going to ask you to. Um, the UFO topic, this mystery, what do you think is happening right now? What is this all going towards? Are we dealing with non-human intelligences? Is it aliens from other planets? Is it man-made tech? What's right now inside Frederick's head? Yeah, I mean, that's really the million-dollar question, right? I guess that you've been asked that question many times too. And I feel like the more I dive into this, the more confused I'm getting, really. It's it's sort of a imposter syndrome or something like that. The, the more you know, the more you know that you don't know about this topic. Yeah. It's huge. It's endless. But I've come to the conclusion... I mean, I'm trying to be journalistic, so I'm trying to keep an open mind. And, and, mm. and you know, sometimes I'm completely sure that this is non-human intelligence in some way. And other times I'm, you know, being pulled back into my, you know, the way I used to think about the world um, only like five years ago. So I'm still struggling with that newfound, um, you know, uh, knowledge of what this could be and the fact that there is something out there that they seem to not be able to figure out and you know when i bring experts on and you know danish experts and we have we have a really some of the best scientists in the world and it's really you know top class even though we may not be the most famous country but they are high level for sure and i've had you know space engineers and all kind of stuff on my show and they're not biased at all and they're not at all feeling the need to tell us that UFOs exist, but they all agree something weird going on here. And uh, whether that's the videos, whether that's the stories you get from people, it you know that as well as me, Andy. When you talk to people with these stories and you look into, into their eyes and you know they're not lying, um, that, that does something to you, right? Um, yeah. It's difficult to be completely cynical about this topic when you talk to like over a hundred people with you know, clear experiences and some of them have videos. It often only shows you a little bit of light, which is difficult to conclude anything off of. Um, but that's how cameras work, I guess. So I'm I'm trying to keep an open mind. Um being open to this maybe some kind of man-made technology. Um I'm also open to this being, you know, a, a man-made cultural phenomenon but i'm definitely also open to this being more than that to this being something really exciting that i i i can't even formulate what that would be so as a journalist then taking your flying saucer hat off for a moment put the journalistic one back on and like you see you try and look at these things straight down the middle and i like to think i can i can sit on a fence i can look at both sides of an argument myself when you see david grush coming out last year and having those sit-down interviews with Ross Coulthard, you see him sit at those hearings and talk about biologics, uh, recovered craft, recovered materials. What was going through your head? 
I mean, that was a lot to take in at one at one uh, time, right? Um, yeah. That was, that was a crazy summer, and I I had Ross on uh, the year before that, before he got really famous uh, with the David Grush story, and he was, you know, he's such an awesome uh, storyteller, and people really reacted to that episode, and um, he 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 just has this way of bringing these stories to life, and he really did that with the David Grush story as well. Um, it's so difficult to say if David Grush is telling the truth. I mean, this is sort of a cliche. I'm sure that he thinks he's telling the truth, and I tend to believe him. Um, I have no reason not to, but I do think that he is himself a little bit unsure of what the truth is and what he what he knows. Um, but I mean, I really don't want to. You know, talk bad about anyone. I think I think David Grush seems to be you know a really good guy, and he definitely have all his papers. Um, you know, uh, and 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 you know, what do you call it in in English? A CV. Um, his resume. I yeah, suppose, his resume be there. definitely yeah. speaks for itself. So, uh, who am I to sit sit here and 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 say what what is true and what is not? It's just difficult for me to really look at the American political system and really figure out what's going on. So I've also had some some analysts here in Denmark who are you know um, America analysts who knows a lot about the the political system and have them look at it and they even struggle to to kind of see through what's going on. So that is of course a big obstacle. Um, why is this information not coming further along quicker? Why can't they just figure out whether what he's telling is 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 the truth or not. So I'm definitely choosing to believe Grush, but he could be misled, of course. What's the Danish government's position on UFOs? They have none. <laughs> it's 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 really boring. I had one politician on my show, and that was after the the what was that after the first hearing? I think yeah, after the first okay. hearing. And he was really cool about it. And he was like, why aren't we talking about this? If there's something in our skies, whether it being from from this planet or not, we got to figure out what is flying around here. But I've reached out to the to the Defense Department and every time they kind of say, yeah, maybe, maybe um, the Minister of Defense will talk to you and then you come back a few months later and they're like, yeah, so now... Ukraine is going on or now something they they have an mm. excuse every time and it's I guess it's legit excuses <laughs> very important stuff is going on around the world but it's been very difficult to to get any answers out of them and um I actually I actually were in possession of the old um, military files uh, the, mm-hmm. the the what do you call it the air force files the ufo files sure. because they used to be reported directly to the to the danish air force and then they and now you're going to the to that old ufo organization i talked about sufoi which is is still doing um this work of trying to resolve these cases for people but back then it was the was the air force and i, I i've been been looking it through that folder which is still around and a lot of unsolved cases in the, in that folder you know skeptics would probably say that most of them have no really data to back back anything up because it's mostly just stories but it's interesting stuff and you do have some some military people um reporting on, on stuff they've seen. And of course you have some Greenland stuff as well, where you, 
actually in my show had an expert in Greenland who found an old um an old um letter uh, an old letter from from the states to Greenland uh, with a UFO reporting schedule so there's been discussions between Greenland Denmark and uh, the states going back to the 50s and 60s about this topic what do you see some of the struggles being going forward for Denmark to to have to break through what kind of barriers have to be overcome for the UFO topic to maybe go mainstream to to go that next level probably quite similar to to maybe where we are in the UK yeah i think i think we're probably pretty similar to to you guys um it's it, it it's difficult to change something that has been the norm for you know 100 years like UFOs don't exist, aliens don't exist. Um, so to really change that, it seems like we go one step ahead and then we go one or two steps backwards every time. You know, you have open hearings, you have Grush, you have these credible people, Luis Elizondo, and then you have the the Mexico case, of course, with the <laughs> um, and and people get really disappointed because that made huge um, headlines here in Denmark, and I really did my best to kind of talk it down a little bit because I knew just, you know, th- th- this could make it all come down crashing really quick. But listen, let me ask you on that then. Yeah, That's yeah. really interesting because that did make worldwide news. Mm-hmm. And I still get lots of folks asking me about the the mummies situation, which is what we're talking about here. Yeah. And for me, I've not completely dismissed it. I don't think um, when I've talked about this, I'm trying not to contradict myself. But for me, that whole charade the issue was the presentation of it how it was done Mm. and how it's been handled and if it is or was genuine they they messed it up in a big big way and like if if that's reaching the shores of denmark and and making a news you know a splash in the news it did here in the uk i had lots of mainstream radio shows get in touch with me asking me my thoughts on it and i i jumped on and shared those and i tried to be tried to be positive and think you know this is an opportunity for folks who maybe have an interest in the ufo topic yeah. or potentially would have an interest to get involved so you don't want to ridicule it and dismiss it but it was done in such a poor way from a pr perspective i think that just goes to show even with what's potentially incredible evidence there's mm. a way to present it isn't there there is and and people sometimes ask me what would be what would be great evidence and that's such a fascinating question because what would be great evidence you know either if there's a bright video clear video it's probably cgi if it's grainy it could be an airplane if it's little mummies it's probably man made in some way you know gathered from animal bones or whatever um if so it seems like no matter what information we kind of put forward you can all you can always debunk it you can always mm. you know the mick west way of doing stuff and I, i i like mick west a lot i think he's he's a very smart guy but you know the, to try to replicate something see okay we have this um we have this recording here i can actually do that in my own camera that that's not a scientific way to go about as i don't believe um because you're just trying to to replicate something and what does that really tell you um mm-hmm. so i don't really know what really good evidence would be nowadays it would be i think it's only when people see something with their own eyes or they have some certain belief what it why that would be you know would be individual but 
that seems to be the only way to really convince people and to convince the masses. So I think it's a it's a long journey to try to uh, for people like us to try to explain the complexity of this topic to people, but it will probably take a long time. But you know, people here in Denmark they complain and they often write me like, ah, why doesn't the mainstream media cover this more? I actually think the mainstream media cover this quite a lot because every time there is a big story coming out of the States or Mexico or Brazil, you know, a lot of outlets actually pick it up here. And I, I get a lot of phone calls from journalists trying to, you know, use me as a source. So I feel it's a lot have been happening on, on in these, you know, four, five, six years, which is, you know, way more than I thought would ever happen here in Denmark. And something I've been finishing off a lot of my shows with in the last couple of weeks, uh, just for the first part of the year, is asking my guests and listeners what are your hopes for 2024 for the ufo topic i suppose for you not only from a danish perspective but also european and and worldwide that for you would indicate some form of progress in the ufo topic what can you see or what do you hope happens um i hope that actually you know i talked to a former guest of yours as well daniel otis from canada and Mm. there is a canadian report coming out uh, this year which I think would be, I mean, I I never have high hopes for these government reports, but just the fact that they're gathering this report and and, and bringing it to the people, hopefully, we we, we assume, is something big. And coming from another country than the States, I think would be really healthy, especially because Canada is a a country that is very well regarded here in in Europe, I think, in in most European countries. We kind of feel like we're, you know, um, more connected to them and on some levels than than the Americans. Um, that would be huge. And and then of course it's going to be exciting to see what happens with the whole Kirkpatrick show with the with his, his last report. I think we all know what it's going to be. You know he kind of already spilled the beans on that one. But how is the world gonna uh, take to that report and to what he's been uh, saying for the last couple of? Uh, of weeks months that that's a big one i think that that could really change how the the discourse is going to be moving forward um so so that that's some of the stuff that i'm really keeping my eye on what about you andy oh i was hoping <laughs> given you're a podcast host and journalist you would ask me some questions here so um uh right now i see a lot of people online talking about the david grush op-ed so He's going to be writing a piece, and I still don't think I've seen where it's going to be published. People were hopeful of Washington Post or New York Times or or Politico, some kind of of uh, organization like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that may or may not say within it, I wouldn't get too hopeful that a, an op-ed is going to move the ne- the needle or push things too far down the line. But I think it's always interesting to hear from David Grush. He's not oversaturated himself and put himself himself too out there. Um, Honestly, I'm I'm going to go slightly different tact with this, and I've I've mentioned I think a few times I, I think a lot of the media that's coming down the pipeline this year is going to be really interesting from various different perspectives. One, Lou Elizondo's book is going to yeah. cause a star in the a good way, a bad way, and in different way, in every which way possible, depending on who it is. I think that's going to be incredibly subjective, um, and divisive. I look forward to it though. Um, sure, I, I'm looking forward to james fox's documentary uh the program 
as its current working title. I think if if that's going to be the the predecessor to the phenomenon, um, that could be a really important piece to come out. And given we know James Fox is speaking to some of those whistleblowers that we're hoping come forward, there's a good chance some material makes it into the documentary as well. Um, and from an entertainment point of view, but I think that's got a really important part to play in shaping public perspective the there's a few things coming out and from a movie front and tv front the three body problem is about to debut on netflix in a couple yeah, of weeks yeah, yeah. yeah that is going to have an international impact one way or another it's a lot of, a lot of money being put into it i'm watching the chinese version just now on youtube which is free which has been pretty interesting i'm mm. enjoying that so I'm, 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 actually gonna review it. I'm, I'm also a um, tv series reviewer here in denmark so okay i'm really looking forward to that one as well do you know what i um, might join you for a bit of a collab on that if you want then because uh yeah i'll be definitely awesome. be, be, be chatting with that and dan's going to get in on that one too when it comes out um do you know dan so yeah. on, on my show no we um, actually had dan, dan on uh, one time talking about the um, uh, the oh i'm that's a brain fart the photo was um calvin yeah calvin yeah yeah, yeah 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 i do know yeah i do know yeah that. yeah yeah who was awesome but i think and i i know you have your sources as well probably have the best sources in the in the game andy but but from from what i heard from from elisando's team it seems like we may be going to wait a little bit on that book um that's just the gist i'm getting when i'm communicating with his team it might be summer, it might be end of year, it might be next yeah. year. I genuinely yeah. just think it's any of the dates that have been pushed out are purely online publishers withholding dates. That's all it ever was. Um, and the book was still under review, last date confirmed. Um, Danny Sheehan said some things that I don't think were quite accurate for whatever reason. And right now, the only fact is that the book does not have a release date. That's that's literally it. So, um, yeah, but I, I suppose good news that came out today, as we record this, it's the 27th of February, Frederick, isn't mm-hmm. it? Um, Diana Pasulka's uh, books, American Cosmic and Encounters, yeah. have been picked up to be produced and made into a TV series, which I think is fantastic. What that looks like, I've got no idea or how, what kind of format it's going to be in. But I think Diana's wonderful, and I think that's a really good uh, direction to take it. So there she's was a very small. Oh, she's brilliant! Do you remember there was a very small window? I think um, last was it last year where HBO had the three part. Was it HBO had a three part series? Was it JJ Abrams produced it called UFO? Yeah, yeah. And it seemed to like fall off the deep. End. It might be four part even. It fell off the deep end really quickly at the end. Yeah, um, it, it kind of threw Luis Alessandro under the bus, and that that really. You know, at least here was when people started sending me messages about yeah. Luis Alessandro questioning. You know, it went quite conspiratorial. The yeah, last exactly. part of it, from what I remember, um, which was disappointing. And I think yeah. I was like, ah, oh, that was disappointing. It, it tried to catch the crest of a wave and just missed out. I would love to see a lot of different projects, maybe ignite people's interest in different ways. That you know, wonderful people like us, for people like us, Frederick Hill check out our podcasts and content and they'll buy people's books or read people's blogs and they'll just get an interest in the ufo topic and i think a flood of of new voices with mm. an interest in ufos is really good for the topic yeah. um, and hopefully drown out some of the naysayers or the trolls um but i also think from a professional point of view some new names like david grush 
would be great. I think I've I've said before, me and Dan were talking, one David Grush is great, but five or six David Grushes from different perspectives, male and female, would be even better. All all talking about what they've worked on, why they've worked on it, what yeah. they can say about, you know, a, a, a you know, anti-gravity technology or biological materials they've sampled or signals they've maybe found from somewhere. All of that coming together, I think, would have a much bigger impact than just one individual constantly yeah. pushing forward. So, and then, then also, you know, the constant uh, developments within, you know, the James Webb Telescope, the big interest mm. in that, and I'm, I'm really trying to connect those two things as well. You know, that it's not just UFOs over here and then the universe over here, and you know, that's boring scientific stuff, and this is the fun conspiracy stuff. I think. It's it's a good idea to kind of unite the two things because when you when you have someone like Anyasi Anderson, who I'm doing my show with, tell you about the universe and we have sciences on, tell you about all the stuff we don't know about, which is basically everything. <laughs> um, yeah. That is equally as mind blowing as thinking about someone visiting us, if not even more. And you know, so I think people also need to remember that you know we are living in a big mystery um ufos are not and um it's i think it's important to remember that and i think it's healthy to to have something unresolved to kind of dig into um so um yeah yeah i just love this topic and i think that i do think that you know documentaries and stuff like that is getting harder and harder to do because of the the slow turnaround some i'm also actually um, um a film producer here and I did a lot of uh, stuff uh, 10 years ago mm-hmm. and really the why I fell in love with podcasting is the quick turnaround you know being yeah. able to take stories develop them really quick and have maybe even more engaged listeners than you have doing a visual project um, so I think it's becoming more and more difficult with these deep dives these documentaries James Fox of course is still doing really great work mm. um but it it's difficult because when once they come out it's old news to a lot of ufo people and on to the next one and that's why i've always stuck by that no matter how good a documentary is you're not going to get what people would class as smoking gun evidence in a documentary because i i am sure and i would hope if for example james fox came across the greatest ufo video known to known to man that he would be speaking to major news networks to within days have a special presentation on a, on live news. Here's this video. This is the evidence, folks. And, you know, he would get it out there. And I would hope he'd be rewarded for doing so. You know, I've got yeah, no issue yeah. with that. But I don't think he would wait a year to build it into a documentary bit by bit by bit. And same with the Skinwalker Ranch show or anything like that. You're not going to see smoking gun evidence on these because something that big, that scientifically important would would be done properly for but me. Yeah. And I think that's where the James Webb comes into things as well. Yeah, exactly. But let me just ask you because, um, you know, I listen, I always listen to your show, but you're so good at asking questions that people don't always ask you back. But where do you stand on all this at this point? You You've been doing this research more and in, more intense than almost anyone else for a long time now. You know, what is your stance on the on the whole UFO topic at this point? Let me just say, it, lots of people do a lot more research than me, uh, but that's yeah. Um, uh, right now, I think if you're looking at, I, I've stuck by. I think the Tic Tac stuff. I don't think there's anyone in a Tic Tac. I think those are empty. 
I think those are probes that are mm. coming from something else, maybe not necessarily somewhere else. Lots of people talking about what might be under the water off the coast of California, stuff like that. You know, is something being made under the water? Um, I think, yeah, like kind of ET probes potentially that were left here. Maybe those are all around the universe, the galaxy, you know, on different planets. Um, I think you've then got to look at people's experiencers, what they're going through, um, different potential civilizations, abductions. is a really tricky conversation. I think if you've not had those types of experiences, some have been really positive, some are really negative. It's a hard conversation to have. That's why I'm always happy to host experiencers and, and talk to them. Yeah. Um, I, th I think ultimately where it's going, though, is this phrase that the genie can't go back in the bottle or the toothpaste can't go back in the tube. That's not true. That that could still happen. I think yeah. there's plenty of folks who would say that things have been pretty far down the line in the past and they have still cooled down again. We've seen the news cycle go up and down. Mm -hmm. um, but I think we're in a really good place. I think social media and the power of social media is helping push things forward. Not that there isn't a struggle both ways on social media as well, as we all know. Um, but I think if we can get some more whistleblowers coming forward this year to to say some things in a big way, it really needs the general public to get on board with that. Um, David Grush made some incredible claims and statements that made worldwide news on a Thursday, and by a Monday, it wasn't worldwide news anymore. So yeah. you know, yeah, it's it's really moving quickly these days. When, it's funny when you say probes because I actually had a, a Danish guy contact me. Uh, he heard about my show and the promo on the radio, and he he put it on and he got really like excited because he had an experience back in two thousand five where he was um, he was on a ship, a commercial ship. Um, and he was outside drinking a cup of coffee with a Philippine colleague that he had. And this is between Hawaii and uh, the American coast um, in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And he's standing there drinking his coffee. And this, this guy, we called him Morton, but he's anonymous on the show. He showed me all of his log papers and everything. And I actually got to meet him one day, like the most down-to-earth guy from, you know, Jutland here in Denmark. Don't mm -hmm. want to be the center of any attention. But he showed me, he, he told me this story, and that was my first story from an experiencer. So it really made an impact on me. But he was standing there on the deck with this um, guy from the Philippines. And suddenly this probe came and it hovered like maybe 10 feet away from them. And they were both losing their cups and their minds. And It he felt that it was almost watching him, and then suddenly mm -hmm. it took off again with you know a speed, and he compared it to if you you um, you know pulled it through a straw, you you sucked mm -hmm. it through a straw the, the the with the quickness, and he came home. He told his wife, and his wife was like, "Please don't tell anyone else this." And he kept quiet about this for yeah seventeen years or something, maybe even more, mm -hmm. um, until he was on my podcast, and you know was brave enough to, to tell his story and and now he's been more open about it. Um, but yeah, stories like that really, I think we need to listen to people. Um, I don't think people yeah. uh, people are not trying to scam or trying to fool anyone. So definitely we need to to listen to more people. And, you know, I've, I've had hundreds of those kind of stories here in Denmark. 
Yeah, I think those those kind of big media outlets like Netflix, Amazon Prime, for example, putting more content out like Three Body Problem, as much as it's you know a a sci-fi series essentially, it's going to get people thinking. Ah, here's a different way to think about aliens. You know, not to spoil what happens for for people in the series. Um, same with Diana Pasulka's stuff when that's picked up and made. Tom DeLonge's Secret Machines project that was picked up and is to be made into a TV series. There's a lot of stuff that could come down the pipeline, I think, and that's why I say about media that could really grab people's attention that isn't just, here's someone coming out on the news who said something wild or, or outlandish and then it goes away again. Well, do you know yeah. what? Here's a 15-part series that's going to take place over the summer and you're going to sit down and watch it on Netflix every Friday night with your friends and family and it just, you know, then you see the little news stories come in as well and you go, I'm watching this thing about UFOs and here's a guy on the news talking about UFOs and here's this Danish guy talking about UFOs on his podcast. UFOs are everywhere in Denmark all of a sudden. So that, that I think, could be a, a big, big thing. Not that you've yeah. not done... You've been on Netflix in Denmark, haven't you, reviewing The Witcher? Oh, yeah, I actually did do that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you do you do, do some research, Andy. So, uh, yeah, yeah I, I guess it was my long hair maybe that got me that job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, yeah, no, but listen, um, we'll start wrapping up, and I just want to ask it, lastly, obviously mm -hmm. your podcast is presented in Danish currently. You're yeah. hopefully getting something produced in English. You mentioned the pilot that's been produced. How can people follow you and your work, and, and what's your social media contacts for them? Yeah, so it's uh, Frederick Dirks, D-I-R-K-S, um, on Instagram or X or wherever you, you, you tend to uh, digest your social media and your UFO content. And if you have a VPN, you can listen to the show. We have had, you know, the who's who's of the uh, UFO uh, environment on the on the podcast. And I think... Sometimes also when you have an astrophysicist in the room that does something to, to some of these people. So I would definitely recommend that you, you listen to them. And recently we have Pippa Mel, uh, Melmgren on. Have you ever had her on, uh, Andy? No. No? Amazing. You should get her on. Um, former ad uh, advisor to uh, George W. Bush and really in the know uh, with all this stuff. And, and she had some very interesting uh, things to say. Awesome. Well, listen, Frederick, it's been great to get you back on. And I do think we should uh, hook up and talk about the three body when it comes out. Always nice to get a different voice. And uh, I think you'll help people understand me a little bit better with a Scottish accent, getting the Danish one on. So, um, <laughs> listen, be it's been of, a lot of accents in one show. <laughs> abs and then we'll get Dan on as well, whose accent is Welsh, English, and American all at the same time. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah a little bit of everything but really good to speak to you frederick well done with the podcast and all the work you've done in denmark and i'm glad to finally get a chance to talk to you hey you too man and one last last thing you were the first guy who uh, who helped me out in this in this crazy business here so thank you so much andy um i accept cash i accept paypal uh bitcoin no that's fine oh, oh, very well done the success has all been yours mate so yeah awesome good speaking with you mate thank you man that is all for this episode. Thank you very much for tuning in. Don't forget to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform. Apple and Spotify do make a huge difference to the algorithm. If you're checking the show on YouTube, please don't forget to like and leave a comment on here as well. Any sharing you do is very much appreciated on any social media platform. And finally, you can listen to shows ad-free and sponsor-free in their glorious full versions by subscribing for less than the price of a coffee on Apple, Spotify, 
Spotify, just search That UFO Podcast Premium. YouTube, you can sign up and be a member, or you can do that through patreon.com. Thank you very much for listening, folks. It wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer, more like a hubcap designed by Chaucer, a little baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of Folk. The little fucker hovered right outside of my window, and when I shoved out the screen, he made it an issue. I don't think he expected me to see his ass, but I'd had some champagne and stuff.